Hello, Four Sober Chick podcast listeners. This is Heather, and I'm joined by Dana, Lisa, and Meredith. We gather here from around the world to discuss all things related to alcohol addiction, sobriety, and various paths to recovery. We get real about the highs, the lows, and the amazing reality of living a sober life. This podcast is a creative collaboration by women, for women, and for anyone who supports women. Hello, Four Sober Chicks podcast listeners, and welcome back. In the last couple of weeks, we've all been telling our stories, and today is Meredith's turn. We're telling our stories in an effort that you will hear something that you can relate to and find some inspiration. So I want to thank each one of you for being here, uh, Dana, Lisa, and Meredith, and I'm Heather, uh, as we go on this journey together. So Meredith is going to share about what it was like, what happened, and how it is now, and um, I'm going to let you take it away. Awesome. Well, thank you. Um, and I, since I'm the last one, I feel like there's been this common thread of we all start not only at, like at the beginning of, we, we start at the beginning of our life, like all of us did, of like, here's how I grew up. It wasn't like, oh, here was my problem with addiction. And this is how it relayed out. I think the chunk of really looking at how you grew up is a huge factor because I feel like there's little bits and pieces that can come out of it. So um, I was born um, in the early 80s um, and I genuinely believe just from things that I've heard and and stuff like that, that my mom, I feel like she she loved to party um, at that time. My parents got a divorce when I was two and my mom pretty much had the majority custody. So she had me for the school year and then I would go see my dad um, for the summer. So they kind of switched it like that. And um, I never, the crazy part is with all the craziness that I went through in my childhood, I never came to the point where I was like, this is messed up. I, it was always just something I just had to deal with. That's my mom. Yada, yada. Like I never, and I, I think that that benefited me honestly through my childhood to where if I went down that road, I do think that it would have been, God only knows honestly what would have happened. So um, my parents got a divorce when I was two. My mom ended up basically leaving my dad for a man who was very physically abusive. Um, so from the age of two, till I think about around 13. And when I say, I think my memory of a few years is completely gone. Um, I can vaguely tell you what school I went to, but then there's like, okay, well, what happened between second grade and fifth grade? And I, I don't remember my teachers where I was going to school, where we were living, like completely blank. Um, and I knew something was wrong with who my mom was with because it was not a hidden thing. Like he beat the living shit out of my mom and did it for years. Um, 
I think that that was her, yes, she liked to party, but I do genuinely believe that that was her catapult to drinking um, and drinking very heavily to the point where, I mean, there are moments that I remember in my childhood where I was in the back of his truck with a topper on with my dog and they were carpenters. So they had, they built stuff. My mom was literally a construction worker when I was younger. Um, and so I'm sitting next to boxes of nails and saws and hammers while my mom and him are in the front seat trying to find a hotel room to sleep at. And he would make my mom go into every hotel. And if they were booked, she would come back out and he would beat the living shit out of her because we didn't have a hotel room. Um, so just insanely, I mean, and then she would sleep in my bed that night and I was a kicker. So she had to go into the bed with him. Like there were, I walked in on him flat out raping my mom. I mean, so there were very big things that started I genuinely believe not only my mom's walk in addiction, but it eventually led to mine. Um, there are areas of my childhood where um, I, I'm pretty confident um, there was sexual abuse. But again, I can't tell you, oh, this is how he did it. This is what happened. There are just, I genuinely believe there are these very deep-rooted um, feelings that your body tells you in certain scenarios and situations where you're like, what is happening? Um, and I started to experience those as an adult and I could not quite put my finger on what the hell was going on until I went to see a therapist. Therapy is huge. <laughs> so as we get to, I, I was in middle school, just going into high school, and my mom finally told this boyfriend, enough is enough, um, we're done. And we had to do restraining orders, uh, the whole nine. And we lived in a somewhat small town to where the police knew who my mom was. They knew that she needed help. So we would have cops patrolling around our house and, and all the things. Well, we get a call from him and he basically had come to the house and my mom said, you can't be here. I have a restraining order on you. He got really mad and left. And she was like, we've got cops coming by. So it wasn't like he could come in and do whatever he wanted. And so uh, he calls and he threatens my mom that he, she's gonna wake up one morning that I'm gonna be gone and that he is gonna mail me in a box back to her like in pieces. And so like, as, and the crazy part was the cops were actually at our house and recording this while he was saying it. So that was like, okay, we need to go find this guy. He got arrested. That guy went to jail. He had beaten his first wife. I mean, and he just progressed. So I don't know whatever happened to him, uh, but that was kind of our last stint, but that turned into my mom's party phase just going through the roof to the point where um I would wake up and my mom wouldn't be there so I had all the bars numbers memorized I would literally just go through them is Pat there is Pat there is Pat there um 
I remember I was really good at figuring out what headlights went to what car because I would be, just watch the street for all the cars coming down the road of being like, nope, not my mom. And this would be at like two, three in the morning. I had to get up and go to school the next day. There were a lot of days where I did that on my own. Um, and so again, I never, I knew that it sucked, but I was like, this is just my mom. I just want us to love each other. And I mean, I remember looking at uh, my mom when she actually moved up here, uh, she had this Mother's Day card that I made her, I think in like sixth or seventh grade or something. And it, reading it made me bawl because literally I wrote in there like, you're going to read this and you're just going to love me. And it was like this kid just asking to be loved. And so it, it was actually really heartbreaking. But um, so we go through all of that. I'm like a junior in high school now. And the man from our past calls our house and he goes, Meredith, this is so-and-so. And, um, I am actually back in the Valley. I would love to hook back up with you and your mom. It's been forever. And there was something that came over me to where I literally said, if I ever see your face in my home or around my mother, I will stop at nothing to try to kill you. Like, you are not welcome here. I am not even wanting my mom to talk to you. Like it was horrible. And he was like, oh, why are you like, I don't understand the animosity and why you're so angry. I was like, well, of course you don't. Like you're, you're a typical abuser who could give two shits, honestly, about what anyone thinks. And so that was the first moment that I was like, wow. I mean, would I really... <laughs> do what I said I would do or whatever. But that was, that was the first moment that I actually realized that I was tough. I was strong. And like looking back at my childhood totally molded me for the, you know, very confident um, and tough person that I am today for sure. But, you know, and then my mom just has, you know, even pre this guy, I mean, yeah, she left my dad for him on and off, but it was like a revolving door um, of men too. Um, I do to this day give credit to my mom that she did the best with what she had. Um, she was a waitress, made not a lot of money at all. Um, and that I think was just how she coped. So watching my mom go through all this, I just kept pounding into my head. This is what I'm not gonna be. This is education for me to really work hard, bust my ass. I'm never going to have that relationship with alcohol or drugs. Like I knew that anything that altered my reality was something that, uh, could potentially, I, I have a very addictive personality. I'm from two parents who have a very addictive personality. And so that was at the age that I understood that. Um, so we now go into college and my mom's liver shuts down um, to the point where I came home for Christmas and she literally looked nine months pregnant. I mean, the liquid had actually tore through her abdomen and it was just compiling in her stomach. So we had to take her in and the doctor basically said, he was like, if you don't make a switch, you know, pray that your liver 
regenerates itself, but you would never be able to be on a liver transplant list with being an addict and you need to quit. And so she actually quit cold turkey, um, but never went to rehab, never went to AA, never went to all the really beneficial things that I think she needed to just really cope with no longer drinking. She didn't have the support. Um, and so I, she was going through that and menopause at the same time. So it was not a fun household to be in for quite a while, but it was good because I was now in college and in college, um, I did a little alcohol underage, but when college came, holy crap, Boone's farm was like the cheapest, most <laughs> potent thing that you could drink half a bottle and you paid like $2 for the bottle. So it was insanely cheap for college students, but that was my MO. I flunked an aerobics class. It was like at 11 AM because I was partying all the time. And I think it was because I didn't have anyone telling me, no, you need to come home or no, you can't do that. I was like, I am away from home. I'm with these awesome people. Um, and it was just fun. And so that started. <clears throat> and then that also started um, a casual, when I would drink, I would smoke type of thing. Now, pre all this, mind you, I am a competitive volleyball player, um, went to college and, um, didn't end up playing, which is a whole other story, but, um, I am very like, conscious of like what I put my body in and all these things. And then when alcohol comes and then when I start cigarettes, it didn't even phase me. I was like, nope, I'm in college. I'm just here to have fun and yada, yada, yada. And so college just kept kind of having that same theme. Um, I actually transferred up here to Bozeman. <clears throat> I followed a boy. And uh, when I did that, the boy started having, and I had to get my residency here. So I was just working. He wanted to go to school. And so I was footing all the, all the bills and there was a problem uh, with alcohol with him. And that was my big, like, I've got, I can actually have a decision on how the rest of my life goes. I went through this with my mom. I cannot do this with my you know, significant other for the rest of my life. And so uh, we ended up breaking up and um, <clears throat> I, I think I probably said this term to you. So when I met my now husband, we met at a bar <laughs> and um, it was, I don't know, he was the first guy that I'd ever met that had his life together. He was motivated, he worked hard. He didn't blow his money. Um, and there was just something, he was just really, it was a good man. And um, thank God I realized that because he balances my crazy out so well. Um, but we, it, we were still at that age where we were drinking and we were having fun and we were doing all the things. And then, you know, we, we got married and two years later had kids and it, at the moment I had my children, this sounds crazy, 
it made me drink more because now having children, it wasn't because I was stressed and I had twins and the whole nine. I looked at them and I was like, I would give my life for these two little humans. And my mom did not, like she did not protect me. She did not do all the things that she should have done to protect me, to not do and, and be a part of all of this. Like I, and then I, to this day, put myself in my mom's shoes where I'm like, if I was in that situation, what would I have done differently? And I was like, I would have sent my kid to my ex-husband and being like, this is not a safe space. Take her. Like, yes, I need to figure my shit out. And I know that this isn't healthy, but she kept me there. And I, and I was like, ah, these two things are my life. Like, how come I didn't feel that my mom felt that same way about me? And so that was when my drinking like went through the roof um, to where obviously I never drank. Um, I never drank when I was pregnant. Um, but man, if it was a crazy stressful day, which is me and two twins who screamed and actually they were really good babies, but I mean, you need that adult interaction as a, as a new mom. Um, and my husband would come home and I would just like vomit. I'm like, Oh my God, you're back. Like, I'm so happy to have you home. And, but that was where wine just took a lot of control, um, to the point where, um, you know, two bottles a night was easy. I felt rank the next day. Um, but it was never a, um, like an eye opener to where I was like, man, maybe I should really not be drinking this much because I'm not present for my kids. I was not nice. Um, I turned very bitter and mean, but it was because I had so much of these emotions that I did not know how to process, but I knew what made it go away temporarily. Um, and every time I would think like, I just went through two bottles of wine and it's not doing it. Like, do I need to open a third? Do I need to switch to something bigger? Does it just need to be vodka? Like, and thank God I never got there, but I will be honest with you. If I did not quit when I did, I, it, it would have been that. And that was my mom's. I never compared, like when I knew that I drank too much, I was like, but I'm nothing like my mom. I'd always justified that my wine drinking, I was nowhere near the alcoholic that she was. And, you know, she had handles of vodka empty under her bed and all these things. And I justified that. But then I look back and I'm like, but I'm yelling at my kids. I'm not a nice wife. I didn't have a lot of friends, you know, like it was the exact same thing. And so my rock bottom was, um, one day I had a real estate deal going on and it was actually really stressful. Um, clients who were friends came over and um, I drank way too much to the point where, thank God, my kids passed out on the couch as we were, I mean, I was working, that was work. <laughs> um, my kids passed out on the couch, clients left and I continued to drink. My husband was at a concert um, locally with one of his friends and he came home to uh, like throw up all over our bathroom 
I was throwing up, passed out on the bed. And he was like, what is going on? I left here. You were totally fine. And now I was borderline like unresponsive. And the next day I woke up, couldn't get my, I couldn't drive. I couldn't get my kids to where they needed to be. Um, I had missed meetings for work. I'd shown up for one. Don't even remember it. Um, I remember like bits and pieces. Like I remember going, I don't remember how I presented anything like, and then that night when I started like feeling a little bit more clear, I was like, holy shit. If I do not change this direction of where this is headed, I will wake up one day and I will be my mom and I will be alone. My kids will probably not like me. I will probably turn to more things than just alcohol. Like I could visualize where my life was headed and it was not in a direction that I wanted to go at all. <clears throat> but it came to the point where I had to get real honest with myself and really figure out what was most important. And it was my family. Um, and it wasn't anyone asking me to do it. Like my husband would always try to keep me in check. He said, do you need that extra glass of wine? Are you sure you need that? And, but he never came out and was like, I don't want you to drink or you have a problem. But I feel like in my recovery, I had to get to that point to where I, I could visualize everything being taken away from me um, and losing it all on this one thing. And so I um, had actually been pretty new to my faith. Um, I'm a Christian. But uh, I sat there and I was like, if you will help me get through those cravings, like I will, I will do the rest. I will get healthier. I will start exercising. I will be a better mom. And um, from that day on, I have not touched a drop of alcohol. I've not gone to AA. Um, I've not done rehab or groups or anything like that. I had the mentality, and I think I said this in one of our podcasts, is that I got in this myself, I have to get out of it myself. Um, I am the type of person where I don't like to rely on people, and that probably didn't serve me, um, looking back. I don't like to re rely on people for me to feel better or um, them to help me through something. I was like, if I can get this nailed by myself, I, that's what I thought I needed. Um, and so, yeah, that has been a, a huge, huge, huge blessing. But the crazy part is, is now that I'm sober, all the crap <laughs> that I numbed drinking is now what I'm having to deal with from 32. And I, I mean, I'm now 40. Um, I still have to literally walk through the feelings and feel the emotions and do all the things Um because I don't have anything to numb that anymore. And that is hard to do when you have kids. It's hard to do when you're running businesses and you know all the other things to the point where I, I genuinely feel like recovery is not a, you decide to do it, you quit, you don't drink and you're done. It is recovery from so many other things now. Um, alcohol was just the first step. Um, and for me, it's now the recovery of 
trauma, uh, neglect, um, all these things that um, I feel, but I genuinely feel like it's the healthiest way for me to get through it. Um, but, you know, things like this has been another huge avenue of just knowing that you're not alone. Um, and I think that is the biggest premise of why I want to do this is there are a lot of women out there who think that they're crazy for thinking that they have a problem, even when it may not be two bottles of wine. And just like you said, Lisa, if it's something where you think you don't have a good relationship with it, it doesn't matter the amount. Um, it's okay to, to feel that way and not be perfect in that, in that sphere because recovery comes with a lot of amazing things, but it comes with a lot of really hard things too. You lose friends um, that just don't have the same view as you, which is, and that's okay. Um, you really start to see people's true colors and it's hard work every day. Uh, but for me, my commitment to that far exceeds anything that I've ever lost. Um, and like one of my biggest things in recovery is sobriety gives me all the things that alcohol promised. Um, you know, you drink and you're supposed to be having this lavish life and so much fun and all these things and the community and yada, yada. And it doesn't, it didn't provide me with any of that, but sobriety does. So that is my story. There's probably so much stuff I left out, but <laughs> it'll come out. Thank you so much for sharing. Uh, you're right. Our stories are very, we have a lot of similar threads through them. Um, two of the things I really resonated with, uh, the first was after you had kids, it really kicked off your drinking. And I had a very similar experience um, and I, you know, I haven't, some of it was now I had these two little people I could lose. So that fear and that anxiety was all consuming. Um, and to like be vulnerable again, you know, after losing my parents and being vulnerable and having something to lose, you know, that from my husband to my children, and it was intolerable at times as well as yeah, you, I didn't know how to parent. Like, I just didn't know how to do it. So it came, it was so hard. I didn't have role models. I didn't have like a, a playbook. So everything came so much harder. And I would look at these little people and be like, I know I love you more than anything, but like, you are so annoying right now. Like, I don't, <laughs> like, I just, I thought this mom you know, like this mom instinct would just kick in. This was all before Facebook, but like then Facebook comes out. I think that just personifies it to the, oh, you know, 100%. like this perfection. Like I didn't feel the same way. I didn't feel, I didn't love being pregnant. I actually hated it, you know? And like, mm -hmm. so I just felt like I was from the beginning doing it all wrong. Uh, mm -hmm. And so I numbed that self-doubt. I numbed that shame and all of those feelings because, you know, that was easier. Um, and the other well, thing I, that I'm thinking about, um, sorry, is um, your husband meeting him at a bar. Like we had the footprint and the foundation of the worst possible partners, right? Like I also met an amazing man at a bar 
who had his shit together. He sold stocks to buy my engagement ring. Who had stocks? Like we were in our twenties, like right. of investments, you know? I really feel like it was a higher power because I wasn't supposed to find that person in the condition that I was in where I was looking, right. you know, and thank God I did because he's like my, uh, he's my grounding rod. I don't even mm-hmm. know if that's a thing. Well, and going back to what you said about like having kids and, and being a new parent, I feel like if you've, if you've got anything, whether that's trauma, whether that's addiction, if there's something that you are or not or are not dealing with when you have kids, it makes it 10 times harder um, to the point where you've got this over here and then you're like, am I actually going nuts? Like, because you're, you're, you're almost trying to do two things at once and one is almost unconscious, unconsciously you're trying to do it. And then you add these, and that was my thing. I was like, I've got these two human beings who without me, they will die. Like that is my job. And it's stressful being a new parent. I mean, it is beyond stressful. And so, yeah, I feel like kids, if you're going through anything that you know of, or even that you don't, it just adds this layer of just intensity. Yeah. That, that goes along for um, people who walk into a stepchild mm-hmm. situation as well. Yes. I mean, I, you know, I didn't have any kids of my own and walked into a situation of, of three at 11, nine and six. <laughs> um, and I can guarantee you that my drinking escalated, yeah. you know, soon after, <laughs> yeah. and not to their fault, not to their no. blame at all, yeah. you know, no. but, yeah. but, um, having to handle that type of, of situation, then not that I, you still, even as a step parent, if you are that involved with your kids, you still feel responsible for their lives. Mm-hmm. Like that you are, you oh, know, yes. like, Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. um, so I can relate on that yeah. level um, of, of, you know, when, when these children come into your life, whether it's you're bringing them in yourself or you're walking into that, that type of situation, it, it's uh yeah, it can be daunting to say the mm-hmm. least. And I think the thing that strikes me now as kind of that outsider looking in the persona of advertising to moms that it's okay to drink because your kids are crazy like that whole stigma mm. is so sad. Yep. You talk mm-hmm. about preying on people who are already stressed yeah. like that. To me, that's like the epitome of making drinking okay because of your yeah. kids and like the Just, memes and yeah. all the things like it, it breaks yeah. my heart. Yeah. Even with this heart. lock, the COVID lockdown right now, you know, there's so much going around on social media about oh, kids are home, therefore it's okay. Like somebody posted the other day, you know, it's 2.45, is it too early? And the comments are just like, no, it's not. And I'm right there with you. It, it just was, I don't know, it, you know, really yeah. just saying it's, it's all good. Um, you know, the lockdown solution is this lovely bottle of wine. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. You know, you're right. They're playing on, preying on the vulnerable. Like you're already in a vulnerable state. So it's like, this will make it all go away. 
And it's like bringing the bar culture into your playgroup, right? Yeah. You know, because the bar, everybody knew your name and it was great. And you all kind of condoned the same craziness and, yeah. and you always see the same group of people. Yeah. And the same thing happens in like the play groups and the mom groups and, yeah. you know, yeah. um, birthday parties with alcohol for adults. And, you know, mm-hmm. we all kind of, and maybe we attract those kinds of people. Because I've also found mm. that in my sober life, yes. you know, and after moving to a new country, the people that I attract to me now don't mm-hmm. behave like that. Mm-hmm. No. Right. You know, like we go on girls weekends and they actually ask me like, how do you feel about alcohol? Like, mm. you mean you're not just going to drink anyway? <laughs> like, yeah. I'm good yeah. with it, but like, and they would have yeah. a, a glass of wine or two, you know, and that was it. Yeah. And I was like, whereas my girlfriends that, you know, when I yeah. came back, there was no change and that's fine. But everyone was in the people that I surrounded myself were in just as much pain as I was. So we all found the same solutions and we all egged each other on because then you could get that pass to keep doing it, you know? Um, Well, and what's totally crazy to me is the friends that I lost when I became sober, I, they were almost replaced by friends in my life now who they still drink. They still do the whole thing, but our connection and our relationship is so much deeper where I look back and I'm like, those were just surface level friendships because of alcohol. Like Mm -hmm. that needed to happen apparently to hang out. And so, but there's people that are up here that have those relationships with other people who have those deep connections and alcohol is just the common factor to where the common factor with my friends now is our hearts, you know, it's not anything else. And, you know, like, for example, some of our best friends here, we went out for my, um, we went out for my dinner, like my sobriety date dinner. And we sit down and these two are like, they know their wine. They have the best wine ever, always at their house. And they sat down and everyone orders water. And that when we go out to dinner, they don't do that. And I'm looking at them and I'm like, for real? And they're like, well, this is your sobriety day. We're not going to sit here and drink alcohol. I go, if you sit here and drink anything, but like, that's just going to be weirder. You know, and so they ended up ordering wine, but it was, they were like, I was like, so this is the one dinner you're not going to drink. <laughs> okay. <Yeah>. But it's <laughs> funny, but they were like, we want to respect that. We are here to celebrate you. And I was like, I appreciate that. And if I had issues being around alcohol, that's amazing. Like that you would make that yeah. sacrifice for me. Yeah. Um, but since I'm good, I genuinely want to have a good dinner with you guys and nothing be weird. And you guys not drinking wine is weird. <laughs> like, but I had to get to that point in my, like if I would have done that year one, probably not. I uh, probably would not have been good, but I've slowly inched myself to where I mean, I can, I play, what were we playing on Halloween? Um, Flip cup. We played adult flip cup and I just have my water. (laughs) I can still play drinking games. I just don't, I don't have to drink. (laughs) And the people who didn't really know me there, they were like, you wait, what? You're what? Like it was beyond them, but I can still have fun. And I think that's the biggest stigma that a lot of people can't get over is if they quit drinking, they're no longer going to be accepted or be fun. 
And that is not the case at all. Like not at all. So if there's anyone listening and you literally feel that pressure, that's so false. It's not even funny. And if you feel that pressure, you're you're around the wrong people because I've felt, I have felt that pressure. I have been told that I've been boring. I'm boring now that I don't drink and I'm boring now Um, that I don't eat meat and I'm boring. And I'm like, no, this is probably just a defense mechanism of your own self, uh (laughs) you know? Um, totally. Yeah. So it, but it and has, that can be scary for people, right? That can be scary in yes, and of yes. itself. If, if they, well, if that's all, you know, yeah, if that's the only way that you know mm-hmm. how to have fun and alcohol yeah, yeah. has yep. to be involved. Yep. That's hard. Yep. That yep. is so hard. Yep. But I do want to yeah. say there is the caveat that you have to do the work Absolutely. in recovery to be able to have fun. Yeah. If you're yes. not doing the work, then it is really hard to be around because you're yes. just literally like that term white knuckling it. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I think there's a difference between sobriety and recovery. And um, yeah, mm-hmm. and, and however you get there, like that, that that's, that's a personal decision. But putting down the bottle and not drinking is not enough to live in recovery, mm-hmm. in my experience, you yep. know? Because like you said, you have to deal with these difficult things. There's most people arrive in these situations because there's something that isn't quite right, or there's something they're working through, or there's something that they've experienced. And if you don't deal with that, then Mm -hmm. either another addiction comes up, you know, Mm -hmm. or you're miserable, you know? So, and this is the hardest part about, you know, seeing people that are newly sober, is you know that it's coming and you want to be like, your life is going to be so amazing in a little bit. In a (laughs) little bit. (laughs) Like it's going to be really hard. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's going to be really hard, but you can do it. You can get there, you know, and if you do the work, yeah, then um, this is what's waiting for you. I agree. It's that whole pink cloud. So when I, when I quit, I couldn't believe how much I was feeling the good and the bad. So a lot of stuff came up, but I was also, I would, I felt like just up and down all the time. Like sometimes there was some really hard stuff that was coming up, but then other times, like, because my senses were heightened, even when I was going on walks in nature, I was smelling more. I was seeing more. I was just feeling like, um, for years, I never got sort of, you know, that lovely, like when you're excited about something, you get pins and needles sort of Mm -hmm. all through your body, like the tingling goosebumps feeling. Yeah. I didn't have that for a really long time. Now I have it all the time again. And it's lovely. Like it's, it's a lovely, like, um, you just feel alive, you know? So, but it's true. You, you feel so much more. I just had a friend yesterday tell me she's, she's quitting. She Feb 1st is going to be her, her thing. And I was like, okay, amazing. That's so great. Proud of you. This is great. But I just, I said, you're going to feel a lot. You're going to feel really good but you're going to feel a lot of other stuff too. And that's totally fine. But it just, it, I, you don't realize it until you look back and go, whoa, I really wasn't feeling anything. There's just numbing mm-hmm. at all. Um, to, one thing that you said about when you were younger and how you didn't have any memories, um, I think during your like grade, second grade to fifth grade yeah. years, <clears throat> it's just, it's interesting because um, they say when you're going through a lot, you don't focus on things long enough to, for them to go into long-term memory. So it's, it's, you were probably obviously going through a lot right then, 
And mm-hmm. so nothing kind of went into that long-term memory, you know, probably. Yeah. And, and, and then of course, when you had your own children and it was all like in your face, like you got to deal with it now, here it is. And, yeah. you know, it just all resurfaced at that time. I can so relate to that, how it's well, just magnified. Is I, that chunk of my life, I call mm-hmm. it like my Polaroid por- portfolio. I re- literally remember snapshots of things. I remember a snapshot of walking yeah. to school. I remember a snapshot of randomly one of the backpacks I had. Like, mm-hmm. so I don't, but I couldn't say, oh yeah, like my mom cooked dinner every, I don't remember eating meals like I don't remember who my friends were who my teachers were um I don't remember any of that and majority of kids if you ask them who your third grade teacher was they're like oh Miss Claire or you know whatever Mm -hmm. I was like I don't don't remember um but the I something that you had just said Heather of the I feel like if people put the idea of them getting sober and going through recovery, people do it one of two ways. They put it in almost like a negative space of like, fuck, I got to get sober. This is going to suck. And then there's people that are like, I know what's on the other side of this. I can only imagine. And so it's a more positive light. I genuinely feel like your recovery is going to go in what way you feed it. Like if you are mad and angry and kind of try not to do it. Like you're resisting in a, in a, in a sense that to me is that white knuckle recovery. That is Mm -hmm. the, I've got the clock on my phone that says every second that I have been sober and I look at it all the time. Mm -hmm. And I know so many people who have put that their recovery in that space. I do feel like that's where relapse can happen. I feel like that's where, I mean, you, you get on that space, but if they can just start to really see the beautiful part of being sober and let go of a lot because you're still stuck in wanting to have a habit, you know, and Mm. I, I've, I've started to know that, like, I can hear someone's recovery story and I can be like, man, I can tell you're, you're white knuckling your recovery. And then I look at other people where I'm like, girl, you, you're working on your stuff, but you know that it's just going to get you better and better and better. Um, mm-hmm. and so I, I feel like that's a, that's because the sober movement, if you will, is starting to get really big, yeah. um, which I think is great. Um, but I, I see these two categories all the time, all the time. And it's, and even this white knuckling one, it can also be the, almost to the extreme of like shaming people for drinking, or mm. do you know what you're putting in your body? It's toxic. And mm. you know, all this stuff where I was like that, that's not the joyful recovery that you should be in like at all. And it's so funny that you should say that. Cause it, it reminds me of the whole going vegan thing too. There's the, the, the one guy, the plant-based um, Dr. Tuttle, where he says there's like the three phases of being vegan. The first one is you're all excited. You want to tell everybody cause you're so excited. And then the second phase is you are pissed and angry at everybody for eating animals and killing animals and doing all of these horrible things. And how could you do that? And what's your problem? And you hate everybody. And then you come to this third phase of you meet people where they are, you know, and, yeah. and it is what it is. Like you're doing this for yourself. You're not doing it mm-hmm. for everybody else. So mm-hmm. um, I see that with what you're explaining with the, yeah. with the sobriety versus recovery. You know, it's, it's, you've got yeah. that angry, you've got that shame 
where you're shaming other people and judging mm -hmm. other people. And I think it's because you're still processing your own shame and your own guilt and your own yeah. addictions mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. you know, you, you need to, to push that out somewhere else. But once you yeah. start realizing you got to work on that stuff yourself and it's, it's about you, it's not about anybody else then, you know, that's where you find yourself in that true recovery and moving forward. But what's funny is a lot of people who aren't in recovery, who don't have a problem, they drink, they look at people who are so, I shouldn't say everyone does this, but from my experience, a lot of people look at that sober person and they feel judged. They're oh, yeah. like, they're judging me on how much I drink, yep. Um, yep. what I do. So maybe yep. they act differently when you're around, which I've had to come mm -hmm. to people being like, you need to do you yes. and I don't yep. in any way want to yep. make you uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And I, I think a lot about sobriety is also, and I, this is just how I do life, but you, you got to call out the elephant in the room. Mm. The sooner that can happen, the sooner both these people can just get on that same path and just do their thing. Um, but I was like, I don't ever want someone to be like, oh my God, I'm sorry for how drunk I was. I was like, that is nothing on me. I don't judge you for that because I've been there. Like, yeah. believe me. Um, and so that's another thing is I just, I don't want people to have that stigma of people who don't drink. Um, Cause we're not, we're not judging you. And if they are, they've got a lot more shit that they got to go through yep. in their recovery. Yep. Um, but I do think the majority of people if they're going to judge someone, they're just not going to put themselves in that position to judge that person. Um, they may not go to that party. They may not go to that brunch or, you know, whatever. But <clears throat> I feel like it's kind of like that give and take where the people that are in my life have accepted the fact that I don't judge. They get shit faced. I make fun of them, you know, like <laughs> it, but it's, it's all okay. You know, I would never be like, you have a problem. You have a problem. I, I can't, I can't judge at all. And, um, I think that's really important for people to understand about people in sobriety. Absolutely. There probably are people who do that, but the vast majority, nope, no yep. judgment. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Too busy doing what we need to do to just kind of do our thing. Right. You know? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. This was yeah. amazing. So our next podcast is us talking about how the specifics of our recovery, you know, what we, each of us have gotten sober and in recovery in different ways. Mm -hmm. So we'll talk a little bit about that next, next podcast. And um, that's all we have for today. Thanks, ladies. Awesome. Thanks. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us today. We appreciate you and wish you the best on your sober adventures. For more information and details on upcoming episodes, check us out on YouTube or Instagram at 4SoberChicks. That's number four sober chicks. We welcome your feedback and look forward to being with you on the next episode.